Good evening all, happy Friday, welcome to the Endless Celts, uh, I hope you've got a beer in your hand ready to go, which we'll touch on a wee bit now, uh, episode 147, uh, I'm joined by Anthony, who knows his stuff, <laughs> Francis, who doesn't? <laughs> I How are you doing Tony, alright? I'm doing very well, mate, and uh, what an introduction. Thanks very much to you and Monty. Yeah, I just, just kicked my Friday off just perfectly. Fanny, how are you, mate? Good I, um, I'm all good, all good. We busy week at work. I've, I've no drinking beer because stupidly at the start of the week I agreed to go out and work the morning. No regretting it. Oh, no way. I know. It's one of the ones that seemed a great idea on Monday, but... <laughs> Friday at 2 o'clock, it's a horrendous idea. <laughs> well, uh, before we get stuck into stuff, uh, let's run through a couple of things, the normal stuff, the uh, Super 6, which the code's still going somewhere, uh, you'll see it along the ticker, along the bottom. Super 6, the most recent, let me just bear with me a second, do we get up? Franny's off the top spot again, thankfully. <laughs> Sean Ross is up there again, well done Sean, mate. Uh, Franny's in there in second and Alistair's in joint second as well. Myself is in fourth, which I can't believe. I always forget it. Luckily, Ross is messaging us every week saying, mind and get your, uh, mind and get your Super 6 on. Uh, and James Bowie, or Bowie, hope I'm pronouncing one of them right. I'm Felix Stephen tonight. Uh, he's he's coming up in fifth. Uh, the, a lot of the other Endless Celts boys are nowhere to be seen. Tony's going to be another one that says he keeps forgetting to do it. But, uh, <laughs> I thought the boys, Monty's saying that Tony's got all the knowledge to Franny and then you're, you're sitting in second place. Here we go. <laughs> oh, well, that's the thing. It might be decent in a quiz, but absolutely hopeless in a bookies, Wally. <laughs> <laughs> like many is, Tony, like many is. <laughs> uh, also, just a wee touch on our sponsor for the for the show, Beer 52. I've got the whole crate out the night. You get a wee box like this. Uh I think it was in the, the comments that if you go to uh, www.beer52.com forward slash celts and you cover the postage, which is about a fiver, you get eight bottles of beer ranging for all different flavours and all that. And I'm on a few of them tonight. You'll see a few of them pop up. Get a few. You get all sorts. You get a magazine and it tells you all about different beers and, and they send you them out every month for a fee. So have a look at that. You can get the first one for free if you if you go into that link that's in the comments that I've just mentioned. Uh, give it a bash. Drink along with Endless Celts on a Friday night and listen in. And if you didn't like it, just get Stephen to transfer your fivers because, by God, does he love it. He loves it. <laughs> There's Monty being nice to you now, Franny. Cheers. <laughs> but the football's back. A lot of people... Uh, all over social media, gain it. They don't like the international football. So Celtic are back this weekend. I'm not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> love my country. Uh, love what we've done recently. We're going to talk about uh, the international and, and the international Celts uh, in particular. Uh, Tony raving about the Scotland again. Now we're doing brilliant. How how good was that? The last three games there in the week. Uh, the, the three very different games, Wally, and three. Tremendous performances and got the results we wanted. Um, going right, but I think back to the the first game. Uh, it was a special night in the Anthony household. Uh, Jude, he was a, a mascot for the for the teams coming out. Uh, so he met a lot of you know the ex players and that that you know that do all the the media stuff. Now it was absolutely a brilliant night and uh, just one of the nights that he'll 
he'll never forget sort of thing, you know, and proved to be a lucky mascot with the result. He did die. He then, you know, it's the sort of home nation kind of derby sort of thing. Uh, feel with the, the, the match against Ireland, went behind, pulled it back, got got the win. And then we, so, you know, had to dig in deep. You know, Ukraine were, were going for their lives. Uh, you know, they were wanting to win the group as well. But I think I think Scotland deserved to win it. And I might be I might be trying to you know be a bit controversial here. I mean, I, I get that we all want to go to a World Cup. Of course we do. That's a, you know France '98 was the last time we qualified for a World Cup. But I must admit, if somebody had said to me that before the game in June that we wouldn't go to Qatar, but we would win the Nations League to give ourselves the best possible chance of going to Germany '24, because I don't know about you, I think Germany like the, the 2006 World Cup was a brilliant tournament. There's some just the Germans you just know are going to put on a show and uh, we'll have like a proper football tournament. I think the thought of Scotland being at Euro 24, if I could only have one of the two, I would pick the German Euros every day of the week. Um, I think, you know, it's a bigger tournament now. More teams can qualify. And, you know, just the, the way the, the way of life over there in terms of how football is, I think it would be absolutely brilliant. So we've given ourselves the best possible chance to qualify now. And uh, yeah, we'll just fingers crossed that we can we can qualify this thing. I reckon I'm going to book my flights. I think we're there. <laughs> Don't want to be preempted, but I think we're there. <laughs> uh, Franny, obviously, um, the, the Celtic boys. It's it's grown slightly smaller, but the the, the ex Celtic boys are, all, are are like massive influence in that team as well. Um, I'm just going to touch on a couple of them. Taylor got a bit of game time. Obviously, KT went off injured. I thought he did well. What did you think of his, his performances? And also, I just want to touch on Tony Ralston. Do you think he should be getting more game time there? Just like He was playing Hickey at right back, and I, I thought Hickey did really well, but do you think Ralston should be getting more time? And what, What's your thoughts on, on their two and their performances? I, I suppose it would kind of be being biased and put Ralston in, but Hickey, I thought, performed really well. He looks a really good talent. I mean, they got... The lad, he was brave to go away to, uh, over to Italy. Was it Bologna went to, I'm sure, wasn't it? He went over there and then he's now Bologna, at Brentford. Yeah. So he's, he's been brave, so it shows the kind of character as I think he he looks better on the ball. He's taller, but I would I would give Ralston a shout, but I, as well with Taylor, Taylor was was brilliant again, just carrying his domestic form like his, his Celtic form into the international stage. Uh, he was obviously potentially helped by the fact that Robertson missed the three games so it, it, it kind of I think it benefited Scotland in the fact that it, it forced um, Stevie Clark into playing a back four which suits Tierney I think playing playing as a left back I mean we know he can play that sort of left centre back of the, the, the three pretty well but I think it benefited him being there then obviously it gave like you say it gave Taylor Taylor an opportunity but uh, I was it was a great week or ten days uh, for for Scotland. Like I'm no what about Porsche? I mean, like, game is due. The guy turned into bloody prime Carnivaro for a for ninety minutes. Man, does not get away from But uh, in that game as well, Craig Gordon was brilliant. Jack Hendry was brilliant. I thought Callum McGregor again was brilliant. Um, but I, the, like Tony said, the three games there were I had three different performances. The first, the Ukraine one. The first one, it was the best thirty, like best Scotland game I've seen in a long, long time. Performance wise, absolutely ridiculous. Um, 
I mean, I, I as you know, I'm a wee bit of glory hunter with international <laughs> football. I'm not, I'll, I'll watch the big events, but I get buzzing when Scotland win, but it doesn't really seem to affect me when we get a negative result. But again, mm-hmm. then the Ireland game, we got wasn't the best performance, but we got the result that's kept everything in, in Scotland's uh, favour. The fact that it was down to us how we weren't relying on anybody else to get through in the group. Um, but then obviously you went over to Ukraine, needing a point. You create I think that Yarmolenko chance is massive. If he puts that away, it's, it's again, it's the cliche thing. It's a total different game if he puts that away, but it doesn't. Where Craig Gordon has a great game, the defence has a great game, and then it got to obviously that bit where it was sticker twisting. Me. But I wouldn't, I can't really remember as saying as we hung on, but maybe that's just more because I don't get I'm also invested like guys like yourself and Ross, but. If you'd offered us up seven points at the start of it, then I think everybody would have stopped your hands off because the seven points gave you the gave you what you needed. Yep, definitely. And they were in the best position possible to go and qualify for Germany now. So That's fingers crossed the national team go on and do it. Um Tony next our, our captain, Mike. What can you say? There's only I think only three players played every minute for Scotland in the three games. He seems to play about 874 games a season and he's still fully running and never stops. I think in the last game, that last game, the last 10 minutes, he was pressing as high as anybody and he's played every game and every game this season for us. Um, what a player, what an engine. He, and as Anne says, he, he never stops, does he? Yeah, he's a living embodiment, eh, Angie's uh, statement, really, isn't it? Never stop, like you say. Um, nah, he's, he's different uh, class, well, he really is. And... Um, it's just, it's brilliant to see him that he doesn't just do it for club, he does it for country as well. And I just think you're, we're running out of superlatives to, to describe him, really. Um, you know, he's been a fantastic, you know, massive shoes to fill taking over for Scott Brown. Um, and I know there was a lot of thing at the time over oh, who, who could it be? And it was, you know, it, it generated quite a bit of debate on a lot of different forums. For me, it was an open and shut case. Callum McGregor, you know, you could, he, he, yes, he's different to completely different personality, Scott Brown. But um, and they say, oh, some people would say, oh, he's not a, a natural leader. Um, that sort of that view on leadership's very outdated, and it's long since been debunked. That it's you know, there's more than one way to lead, and. Um, Callum McGregor is just he's you know the classic as they say leads by example. And if we see some of the some of the uh, sort of footage that's been promoting the new end of season DVD yeah. for last year, it starts off. It doesn't actually start with Ange talking about the standards or never stopping it. It starts with um, Calmac in the dressing room. I think you can see it's probably before either because uh, he's wearing his mask. So there's every chance it's maybe been the derby itself when uh, you know the brilliant footage with him and Barisic. But, you know, he's just saying, you know, never drop the standards. It's always us that set them. And, you know, it just you, you can see that the players are listening to him and they're, they're taking it all in. Um, he's, he's obviously taking all the best bits of Scott Brown's leadership and he's implemented his own uh, stamp on it as well. Um, he's an absolutely incredible ambassador uh, for Celtic and Scotland. And uh, hopefully he's uh, with us for many more years to come, lifting plenty of trophies and Playing up major tournaments for Scotland. Hope so. He just he, he just never stops. There's there's a bit of debate in the chat, and it's quite funny because we had we kind of had the debate in our group chat. Uh, obviously, that um, Big Stephen like is 
I don't know. I, I, I Porteous must have fo- photos of him because <laughs> he's like absolutely madly in love with Porteous. But um, Danielle's been uh, talking about Jack Henry and, and, and his performances. And uh, do you think it was maybe a bit too early for us to let him go? Did Ange even had a look? There's a lot of people saying that he's not good enough. And uh, what's what's your thoughts on Big Jack Henry, Fran? Do you think that it's somebody that we could? We could have kept hold on and, and he, he could have done a job for us. I think Daniel's point is that he's, he's better than Welsh, which I, I think is a fair point. Uh, what's your thoughts on, on that? Because I, I think a lot is on maybe with the benefit of hindsight. Like For me, what I can remember, Jack Kendra, I can't remember him putting on any decent performances at Celtic. Like My lasting memory of Jack Kendra, I think it was actually against Dundee, where he just seemed to take the ball out and just done a big half circle with the ball and that, and I was... It, it just looked like the wrong, the wrong guy in the wrong movie. It was, it's just one of the moves I think for him that didn't work out. It's not to say that he's a bad player. I think would he work under Ange? I think he, I think he would even though it was Ange kind of let him go. But uh, I, I would like to think he would work under Ange. But it's, I think I'm kind of speaking the benefit of hindsight based on what I've, I've not really seen him playing with playing since he left Celtic. I haven't really seen him playing with Scotland, so I'm basing it on that. Um, but, I mean, Angelique's a good-looking guy as well, so he would certainly... That's one box ticked. Aye. Um, so, the boys in Scotland, they've done us proud. Um, our other international Celts, I know Gigi's had time. Uh, he's picked up a wee injury, which we'll go, we'll go on to after this. Um, the Japanese boys, uh, I think they played USA in their first game. And uh, Maeda got a start up front, which I thought was pretty interesting. Up there, he sell. I think it's the same sort of formation Ange plays the Japanese national team. And Maeda was the was the focal point. Uh, what do you think about that, Tony? Do you think that's? I think I thought it was pretty interesting because he's he's been brilliant for us on the left. And in, in my opinion, I know he's been he's had his critics recently. But um, number one, Kyogo didn't play every minute he was away, which is always a good thing. Uh, uh, and number two, Maeda playing up front. Thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah, it, it was, and it's something that you know. There's, there was a lot of chat about um, at the end of the summer. Why didn't we sign a third striker, or you know, this, that, and the other? We are, we are yet to go. And I think Ange solved the problem, and with, with two, with, with the one transfer, obviously Haksabanovic just came in, who looks very versatile. But I think Maeda is a threat through the middle. Um, we've said that we've seen it sort of in sort of glimpses last season. You think of when he went through the middle at first Park and he, he scored that night. And um, he obviously started up front in his debut uh, game. Yep. He played against Hibs through the middle and he, he did the business. You think of everybody in their dog was saying that Yakimakis was created in a lab for Livingston away. Everyone <laughs> thought, we, I was at the game that day, we were in the, the bar beforehand waiting to see the team. No Yakimakis in the team. Oh, Here we go again. And Maeda started through the middle, got the goal, and did the business. So yeah, I think he's he's been the he's the, the whipping boy for um the, or the you know for the scapegoat sort of mentality for within a section of support recently because you know you know when you only if you only lose one game uh, domestically in a calendar year you you have to you have to pick on somebody you know you have to have somebody <laughs> you know you know fill the fill the airspace and. Picking on Maeda is as good a good a subject as anything else, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it's Maeda this week, mate. That'll be somebody else in a couple yeah. of weeks' time Aye. if we drop if we drop a point. But totally Maeda's just he's the 
he's the flavour of the month uh, for the, the boys that just, you know, being miserable is the only thing that makes them happy. I totally agree, mate. Um, I, I think he's I, for me, he's a good option up there as well. And I know I'm, I'm going to go on to it later on, actually, with, with uh, the window and people saying we should have signed a third striker and the injuries that are coming and stuff like that. So I'll leave that to later on. But he's definitely a third option up there for me. And, and I think he does his best work on the left, but I think he is, he's a great option up there. Um, Kyogo started the second game. I think they drew 0-0 with Colombia, if I'm no wrong. Um, so no goals for the guys. Uh, and Hatate wasn't even in the squad the first game and benched the second game. So I think that's either Japan have got an unbelievable midfield or the manager doesn't fancy Hatate. Didn't even, and, and it's another thing. I'm going to go into that next as well about the whole internationals. and It's a year on the fans because of the injuries and all the rest of it. Um, and I can understand it for that viewpoint where, where Hatati's went and he's not even got a single minute in the pitch. He's travelled all that way, all the rest of it. But uh, Hatati's been brilliant this year, Franny. And uh, what do you think? Japan must feel, midfield must be brilliant. Uh, it must be. Yeah, this seems the only <laughs> logical reasoning behind it, Well, is Japan's midfield must be brilliant. Um, as for a selfish point of view, Celtic, I, I suppose it's great because if he's not getting minutes, he's not getting inj- it's not a chance of getting injured. But it's always... It's always great to see your players play international football. It shows that you're doing well as a club. Shows they're doing, they're getting rewarded for the performances. I think we should always be proud of our players going away and playing international football, because then it shows, as I say, it shows as a club that we're doing the right thing. We're we're doing well. Players are doing the right thing. So it's it's probably a wee bit disappointing for Hatati, but as for a selfish point of view, I I think it's great, Willie, because it's. It's not somebody getting injured, but yeah, that their must their midfield must be ridiculous if that guy came and got a couple of minutes again. Aye, <laughs> I, I know, mate. I, I, Tony, comment to yourself as well about the international mm-hmm. stage. I know, like, there's loads of different opinions. People hate the international the international scene, and 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 Celtic fans, maybe in particular, because they didn't they follow Scotland. Should, should we say? Um, I think. Well, for me, I, well, I think everybody knows my opinion on it, and I think, like, I think it's like, like that's the your highest honour for you as a football player is to play for your country and play in a World Cup. Like for me, if it was to get one cap for Scotland or win a Champions League, I think I'd, I'd be wanting to get that cap for Scotland, and that's just my opinion. I know a lot of people say yeah. else. I, I know I totally understand right. why people say that as well, um, but I'm just very patriotic and love my country, and I, I just think it's such an honour. Uh, and I think the likes of Calmack and that are the same. I, I think Calmack got questioned on it before the third game, actually, and they'd said about him getting rested, and he was like, you're having a laugh? He says, I've, <laughs> I've played like 70 games a season for the past eight seasons or something. I'm no, um, I'll no be stopping there. Tony, what's your view on it? I know it's 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 kind of a tricky one, and it kind of divides because of injuries and, and whatnot, but like your country, and I, I, that's my, my, my perfect example is Calmack. Because he's never ever going to say no. I'm no resting. I'm playing every game. I'm playing for my country. I'll play for my club, uh, and that's just my feeling towards it. What's what's your thoughts on it? Uh, very very similar to yourself, mate. I mean, and I, I know that you know a lot of the time. Um, previously, um, we used to have a, a, a caravan up at North Berwick, and because I used to go to all the home games and some away games for Celtic, the international break tended to be when we would go. So. We didn't have a telly or whatever, so a lot of times you didn't see the Scotland games, and you know, for a while you become a bit, you almost become a bit numb to failure, or you or sort of. It's another one we've not qualified for, but it's not until you when you watch the, the you watch the footage back, you, you remember when the Euros was just about to start, and it done that brilliant documentary, the 
the players oh. away at France 98. I think was it was so good, the app when he Mr. Brown's boys. It was absolutely mm. brilliant. And you seen, you know, what what you wouldn't have given to be able to bottle that feeling that was round round about uh, the the country when we were at the Euros um, last season. I thought I just thought it was a, it was it was brilliant, and that's what you want to see again. I, listen, I, I I obviously we're a bit younger, and I get the whole we don't support Scotland because a certain element of the Tartan Army used to boo Celtic players. Right, okay, I, I I get that, and we know that Celtic players were ridiculously underrepresented for what they achieved. At Celtic, we know what the politics of the SFA was, and to a certain extent, maybe still is. But look at it the other way: the vast majority of guys that go to Scotland games don't boo Celtic players. Rangers players get booed. There's, you know, if, if more there was more players from other teams, you know, the, the Aberdeen players would maybe boo the Dundee United players, and you know, vice versa. It's it's a I I've often described going to a game at Hamden. It's like going to a very very big Livy game, where it's like there's more women there, there's more kids, there's more families, and that, I mean that in a good way. I'm not trying to. Do that, but mm. it's, it's it's a good it's a good atmosphere, and you know it's you know you learn for you know sometimes even your own kit. My wee boy's got a real affinity with the national team. He loves watching Scotland, and you know your own love for it kind of can kind of get get better, you know, kind of grow from that. I I, I get the whole. And, and you know, I, I, and I get as well that a lot of people have, have families. Um, I've got a lot of family over in Ireland, and you know where, where the whole diaspora of the Celtic population comes from um, from Ireland. But I've I've only been to Ireland for a stag weekend. You know, that's that's my thing. I, I, Republic Ireland is the second team I would support. Um, you know, if Scotland don't qualify, you always like to see the Irish do well. Of course, you do. But by the same token. I'm I'm Scottish at the end of the day, and by default means I want Scotland to win. Um, but of course, there is absolutely nothing more roasting than being for Scotland and uh, you know cheering on England as another section <laughs> of our population. Um, I think if you looked up that in the dictionary next to the word "bailing," um, you would see <laughs> something uh, some along those lines. But yeah, supporting Scotland, the international break. Aye, okay, it's it's no no. Every constant, constant, constant like Celtic does, but listen, it's there's there's enough space in the football ecosystem for both to exist, and both are flying high at the minute. So let's just be happy. Yeah, totally agree, mate. Couldn't have put it better. So we'll just move on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on to next. Uh, and John Tour, uh, he was in Sydney, kind of promoting the the Sydney Cup uh, that's coming up. Uh, when we're touching on this, actually, we talk about internationals and how that's um, we don't like it because the chance injury and all the rest of that. Is the thoughts the same on this, Franny? Because this is literally a glorified set of friendlies. Uh, and uh, and watching Angie's presser, he said that he's been involved in these before when he was in Australia managing, and but but it's always coming like a pre-season, so. It's kind of like a it's like a fitness exercise, pretty much for all the teams involved. Whereas this isn't. We're we're mid, midway through the season, and I just said he's want to come and put on a show. We're coming right off the back of a league game on the Saturday and playing the midweek, and he's going to push them hard and all the rest of it. Which, um, in my mind, you're more susceptible to injury or whatever mm-hmm. doing doing it that way. What's your thoughts on on that then? Because. Like for me, this is the polar opposite for 
the international, whereas I think it's like it's so important and it's like I said, it's your highest honour. Whereas, in my opinion, and this this is like glorified <laughs> friendlies. Uh, what's your thoughts on it? Like this is where, and I'll probably include myself. That's where you'll get the the hypocrisy in some fans where they'll be all for this, but against international. I mean, you don't really get because of this Nations League. You don't really get international friendlies anymore, so they're all competitive games. So, um, I I think this is where you'll see a lot of hypocrisy in fans because, as you say, it is glorified friendlies. Really, it, it's a business move. Let's not beat around the bush. It would have been silly not to go. Well, it was probably always going to happen, especially after his success and stuff. So, yeah, Angel want to go their way as strong a team as possible, try and win. The the cup anyway that that's that's up for grabs and just kind of helps build Celtic's model business model and that I feel like over that that sort of a part of the globe. So I for me I, I'm I'm looking forward to it in a sense because I, I think it's you see the interviews Andrew just held to the highest esteem over there that they, they, they absolutely love him over there. So it'll be good as long, if we can go over there. Uh, represent ourselves well, put on a good show for the fans that will come and see us because there's obviously a lot of Scottish folk like uh, expats over there and that, and they'll get to see Celtic live for the first for maybe the first time or first time in God knows how many years. So it'll be good for them, and I think Angel want is it seems a proud guy and want to put um, a show on for them and things. But I think, as I say, I include myself. I think it's got to show the hypocrisy in some fans. That are against international football, but are okay with Celtic going away and playing a mid-season. I appreciate the World <laughs> Cups on, and it's it's kind of coinciding with that. But they'll be okay with going taking guys away with them instead of resting them. Aye, aye, that's good points, mate. Tony, what's what's your thoughts? Is is it similar? Because like I, I I mean I know match fitness and all the rest of it, but that like that could be good use of training time and all the rest of it instead, and that's obviously going to uh, lower the chance of injuries and and whatnot and. With uh, we're going to come on to this as well, but with October coming up, it's I think we've got like nine games in, in mm. October, which is nuts. So like a, a prolonged rest after that would maybe do the team a world of good. What, what's your thoughts on it overall? I know like obviously the 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 the, 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 the side it with the money coming in and all the rest of that. It's obviously it's bang on. You like, we've got to do it. But from this side and and what what Franny's saying there about kind of the hypocrisy, if, if you say where where it's like hate international games but we're right up for this yeah that is, that is a bit strange I suppose you would think that perhaps more of the, the sort of uh, kind of elite guys will obviously be off representing their countries at this point obviously sadly we, we us not qualifying for Qatar obviously likes a Callum uh, etc won't be able to play there but it means they'll, they'll be there for us um, I, I, think I, I mean, I'll be honest now, now that there's a proper team in blue um, going to be playing at it rather than uh, the, 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 the side that what would have became a circus um, had the other lot been joining us, um, I'm actually quite looking forward to watching it now. And it'll probably, I know Stephen had been, um, on our podcast had been chatting to the boys for the Celts Down Under podcast. There's a, maybe a wee chance for us to chat with them and oh, kind of get a feel aye. for you know the, the Celtic sort of how, how it is down down under at the moment. Um, I think it'll be, a, a, like you say, Ange look, just looks so at home down there. He's held in such high regard. Um, it must be really, it, it must be a real kind of jolt in the arm for him, being able to kind of sit in front of, you know, serious sports people rather than the, the chimps that he has to do on a daily basis um, up here. But um, he'll be looking forward to getting back there. 
as as a homecoming hero, as you know, as we've kind of built on the, Angie's homecoming tour. He goes back as a, a champion at Celtic, and his, his team's participating in the Champions League. You never know. By then, we might have um, been able to say that we're going to be competing in the latter stages after Christmas. Um, like you say, they are they are essentially glorified friendlies, and it will, like you say, would you rather, would you rather somebody got injured at that or a, a, a off representing their countries? Um, that's you're absolutely right, Willie. The argument doesn't hold up. Um, like say whether or not we come home with the trophy, you know, I'm not going to lose much sleep over. But yeah, I think it's it's an opportunity to grow or grow. Obviously, having a team for the Premier League as well is obviously going to increase the the TV viewing figures. I would I would argue. Obviously, we're the headline act, but you know, Everton are a massive club in their own right as well. We we have great support and. Um, you know, I can't, can't, that's terrible. I actually can't remember the other two teams that are playing in it, Wally. But it's kind of—I think it'll be a nice little kind of sideshow for the fact that we don't have a country to support at the World Cup. So, yeah, um, I'm kind of looking forward to it. I must admit. I think that says it all, mate. I think I'm looking forward to it, but I'm, I, I can't actually remember the other two teams. <laughs> I think that, that says it I all. Surely got to be Sydney somebody because it's a Sydney Cup. So surely there's somebody oh. with Sydney in their name playing. Put it this way, well, like the headline act very rarely cares about who's on the undercard, do Yeah, well, that's <laughs> true. That's true, mate. That's true. Um, loads of pressers when he was over there. I don't know if you caught them. Uh, they were brilliant. You can tell he's a bit more at ease with these guys and know as defensive. And um, it's funny because you said that, and I watched his presser today back here. And somebody mm-hmm. actually asked him the question about how how it was being home and and what the media were like there compared to here. And he, <laughs> I think he basically said, I, I brought it up. Somebody mentioned it in the comments, saying that like it wasn't a holiday, by the way. This wasn't a holiday going back there. This was like mm-hmm. it was work. And then he says, uh, and he was like about the media. About he says he's like media user user media. And he says I don't uh, like. I'm not going to say anyone. And with a wee cheeky <laughs> smile on his face, and it's like, mm-hmm. aye, you're all the same. You're all sharks. Uh, I thought it was really good, but uh, lots of stuff we touched on. I don't know if you've seen it. I thought it was interesting. I wanted to talk about it when they talked about, they were talking about the Socceroos, the Australian national side, and they were asking him about how, if he's been keeping an eye on our progress and touched on 2006, the World Cup, when he was in charge and, and, and the players that he had then and, and kind of touched on Moy and stuff like that. But, but um, he says he's been keeping an eye on, he'll always be a fan and he, it looks great and he was touching on, he still keeps an eye on his old teams and all the rest of it. But, but they talked about Rogic and like the influence he'll he'll have in the World Cup and how good he is, but then they kind of they kind of spoke about him leaving, which and and I was always under the influence that he he left because he was homesick or and like and I know social media you get all sorts, but that's what I was led to believe, and um, he kind of said along the lines of listen, he's this is all he's ever known with Celtic. He's been there so long. Mm-hmm. He came as a boy. He grew up in the same city, played for the same club for so long, and it's a very demanding club. He says, you lose one game and everybody's on you. He says, look at it last week, pretty much talking about St. Man game. He mm-hmm. says, it's no, it's 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 a tough, tough place to be, and it's 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 like you, the standards are like up there, and like the, the boy's still a young boy, he wants to go and um take in another city and, and take on a new challenge. So he went to West Bromwich. <laughs> <laughs> Blows my mind, I, honestly, Franny. What's like? I don't think we. I don't know if we've talked about it since he signed for West Brom on the mm-hmm. podcast. But I just, I, it's just it's a mad, mad surreal situation, especially because he was, he had him. Like I think Rogic at his peak was like Rogers, 
right in the middle of the like all the, mm-hmm. these trebles, and then I, I think he was getting back to that now, if not eclipsing that because he was playing ninety minutes. Just seems a strange one for him to go. He could understand if he went to a big European club, but he's he's ended up at West Brom. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, so I was similar to you, Willie, where I thought he was homesick. I mean, it's probably like you say I've read it online and just just ran with it, so to speak. But um, I the West Brom like they're not even if they were in the Premiership, I could maybe maybe make an argument for it because it's as we said, players players want to get to that playing the, the English Premier League at times, but. Like, I don't even think West Brom are in the top half of the championship. I think they're languishing near the bottom. And it just, it seems a weird, weird place. You know, I, like, my work takes me up and down the UK, and West Brom is <laughs> not a place I would think I would want to go <laughs> very often. Um, his bounty I've had surely had a lot better offers than West Brom. I, like, we, all, we all know what the guy can do. Like you say, under Rodgers, it was... Absolutely brilliant. And then, then under Ange last season, it was just, it was absolutely frightening. Some argued that it's possibly the best we've seen here, August, in the, the nine year he was here. That first half um, against Hibs, remember? He uh, just he was, good. Good. Uh, he was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant in that game. But I uh, just, the move has absolutely baffled me. Absolutely. I just, I honestly don't get going, going for what he is, an internationalist. Yeah, sometimes the Scottish League can be looked down on, but this was a guy who's done it for the best part in nine years. I'm not saying he would have went and done like going to a top six team in England and things like that, but surely he could have found his cell somewhere better than West Brom. I just, I honestly don't get that move at all. I don't understand it. Well, I, I totally agree, Tony. What's your thoughts on that? Like I said, because at the time we were all thinking that he's 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 want to go back home or. And 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 he's still he's still a young he's still what he's only thirty or so he's still a young boy so it's, it just seems a strange a strange move. Do you think he's do you think he's jumped the gun a bit and then <laughs> he's thought the offers might have been further in and he's it's actually been the polar opposite or? Yeah, like you're bang on, Walter. But I mean, I think Stephen and I think I was actually on the night Stephen kind of briefly mentioned it and you know he was he was sort of as puzzled as the rest of us. I mean, I think. Like you say, we all seen the sort of homesick kind of rumours. I actually thinking maybe even maybe even Ange had alluded to that before the final game against Motherwell when he was sort of paying tribute to him. But then, but then he seen some more kind of sort sort of darker rumours on on the internet that he you know he perhaps wasn't in a very good place, and you know there was a bit of concern for his for his well being. I, I think that was coming from from down under. You know, it was from from the Australian press. Um, so for, for then on in, it's just a case of you know whatever he decides, it just make sure he's okay. Um, but yeah, the, the, like you say, it could. The, but Tam Robertson, the, the Tam Rogic could play anywhere, and I just yeah, I, I just wish he was still doing it for us because he, he absolutely. And you, you think of all the people that would be the, but you could maybe say understand it if it was maybe you know Lenny who or. You know, perhaps Ronnie Dyler or someone like that who, he, he, you know, uh-huh. he didn't have a great. But you thought oh, you know, Ange was the international manager as well. Um, but then, obviously, the rumours then flew that he was going to be joining up with with Lenny over in Cyprus as well. So mm-hmm. you know what it's like. The, the media will print anything if or, or type in if it gets them in the next uh, news cycle. But in terms of when it eventually did happen that he was going to West Brom, I mean, it, 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 is, it is a strange one. There's, there's no two ways about it. I think. 
I think Frank Skinner's the most high-profile West Brom fan, and even he admits that you know, player, you know, this is the place where football stops. You know what I mean? It's um, it's it's the backwater to end all backwaters, the, so to speak. And um, yeah, but you know, obviously, good luck to him. Um, oh yeah, well, I, 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 but it's 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 just a, a strange one, maybe. You never know in January if we're needing a bit of creativity. Angel, go, come on, son. come back. You know you're always welcome. We hope, man. But, uh, no, we, we all love him and um, hope it works out. But yeah, in terms of, you know, West Brom can count themselves very lucky. That's all I'll say. No, we miss him, miss him dearly. And this is the God's honest truth. Watched that last game. My dad came in and I was heading out that night. My dad came around for the game and see when he went off, I just started howling oh, uh, and greeting. But mm. I was doing that old, oh, no, I can't show him greeting because my dad's there. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, I'm just howling and greeting. And I turned around and my dad was howling and greeting too. We just gave each other a big cuddle and I was like, ah, it's all right. We miss you. Miss you, Rogic. But I, all the best. It's a strange one, though. Strange one. Um, Ange and the pressers. I watched I watched about three or four of these Sydney pressers, which I think Jed said it in the chat, that they were brilliant. And as, as every interview with Big Ange is, um, but every presser I've seen him in for the last three weeks, he's getting asked about his future and all the rumours about him leaving and all the rest of it. And his reply has been the same every single time. Um, he's, he concentrates on what he does the here and now. All that stuff will take care of itself afterwards, which for me is a bit worrying. <laughs> but we always know. We always, he's never going to be here forever. We always know that. But for the good or the bad, it, like obviously we want it to be for... Um, the better because he's been successful rather than the alternative but he'll never be here forever but the thought like you did, you, you don't think about that you don't think about the future I don't know if you use I never ever mm. think about that sort of stuff I just think the here and now is amazing and just here forever it's, mm. this is like the best life ever let's just keep rolling with the times and it's funny when you start hearing these rumours we kind of talked about it in the pod uh, Franny before and said that we don't think he'll ever leave. He's, he's he's obviously very loyal to the club. He loves what he's doing here. He's he's taking on the fans. He's taking on what the club's about. He loves the city. Um, but then when you start hearing all these rumours and all the time, and then you, and then you hear him saying wee things like that, does it start to worry you a bit? Uh, no, well, but I think maybe it's more. I'm trying to just not think about it too much. I think he's the way he talks. He seems a very genuine guy and. If he was to, if he was to leave, I think it would be at the end of a campaign anyway. I don't think he's the type of guy that will jump ship mid campaign and stuff. But I, I have I'd probably how and great where he where he goes. Like I'm I'm like you, Willie. I'm I'm not one to think of a, a time when Ange isn't our manager. It's it's too good a time to now. Um, yeah, it would be silly to think that he'll never leave because if he keeps on doing what he does and then manages to improve us in uh, Europe. The vultures in England will start looking. It's again, it go, kind of goes back to the players representing the national team. It's, oh, I don't know if an honour is the right word to use, but it shows that Celtic are going in the right places as a club if the big teams down in England are coming looking to take your manager away from you. They're obviously impressed by what he's doing. So Celtic will be in a good place, but um, I, I wouldn't say I'm worried, Willie, because I'm just, I'm, I'm a bit like you. I'm living here now. Keep him. I just don't want to, don't want to think of a time when Postecoglou is not here. It's it just it makes me feel okay every time there's there's something bad. Even like when you talk about the pressers, he he joked about how he had to go halfway across the world because he got 
like lost one game and stuff. It's just we things that I'll, I'll miss is we is we quips and things. So that's. I love that about his comments as well. See, he keeps getting asked about it. He, he, that's what he's, exactly what he says. He says, when I first came in, I wasn't making it through Christmas. Now I'm Aye. getting touted for every club going down. So uh-huh. he, he says, I know in six months it'll change again. He says, that's football. Um, it's just the fact that every time I hear a presser, I want him to say the words, I've signed I'm not deal. going anywhere. I'm staying here for Aye. another five years. And you don't Aye. hear that. But that's not necessarily saying he's, he's going to go anywhere. Uh, and that's what he's like about every question that's asked of him. He's he's very he doesn't give anything away. But Tony, what's what, what's your thoughts? Are you worried about? I, I, for me, I don't think anything in a foreseeable anyway is never mm-hmm. ever going to happen. Mm-hmm. Obviously, down the line, um, that might be the case. But uh, I don't know. It's just like you you kind of feel that you want some sort of comfort in him saying no, but he doesn't say no, but he doesn't say I either. So <laughs> well, well, that's the thing. See, and like, see, even if he did and says. I'm, I'm going nowhere for the next five years. I can guarantee you the Daily Record the next day would print and refuses to to commit the further uh, to sell yeah, yeah. the rest of his career. It'll be, it'll be something like that. Or, um, you know, in less than half a decade, Ange won't be the manager. Some, you know, try to, you know, create panic like that. I'm kind of like yourself, Willie. I, I don't think, um, I don't think there's anything down south that would particularly interest them at the minute. Um, I know, obviously, Graham Potter's moved to Chelsea, but Brighton and Hove Albion are, you know, they're a well-run club, don't get me wrong, and they're sustainable and whatnot, but they're, they're small fry. They're, um, let's be honest, they're, they're a tadpole in the Pacific Ocean of the, you know, Premier League, but they're, they're no great shakes. Um, Leicester very much on a downward spiral, um, which, you know, I, I, you know, you could foresee that happening the, the minute. Obviously, the, the, the owner's, made a lot of their, their fortune and travel, which has obviously took a hit in the pandemic and obviously the tragedy that happened to the current owners, you know, the, I think it was mm. their father who oh, perished yeah. in the helicopter. Yeah. So you can, I, I can understand why they are, perhaps their energy for it is, is, is perhaps dwindling a little bit and the minute you stand still uh, down south, you, you, you start going backwards. So I, I don't see it being the attractive proposition that it maybe even was a few years ago um, when Brendan left. In terms of the rest, um, the the toxic mixture of arrogance and ignorance would mean that all the sort of top dogs and in inverted commas wouldn't possibly consider somebody from up north going down. Um, and like you say, I don't think there's, there's, there's anything really... I don't think there's any club down there that can offer them what we can at the present moment because apart from maybe... His, his own ego, one of Brendan's biggest um, sort of one of his justifications for leaving was that he, he wasn't backed by the board, which is absolutely mm. open to yep. open to debate. Mm-hmm. Um, Ange can't debate that he has been backed very much, and he appreciates yep. that. Don't get me wrong; he's mm-hmm. never said that he hasn't been. But for all the Celtic board's faults, and you know, there's there's not enough you know enough hours in the day to list them. He absolutely has been backed by um, Michael Nicholson and the rest of the hierarchy. He's he's spent more in terms of outcome. Of course, he's made a lot of that back in net income, as the, as the financial, latest financial figures showed. But he, he has spent a lot of money at Celtic getting to build this team together um, yeah. and a lot of other things as well. So, I, I th- and, and he's getting the opportunity to play now on, on the biggest stage and I think if we, if we were to win the league again this year the coefficient still means you would go straight back into the Champions League again I think provided 
provided we've got a seat at that top table, I don't think we've, we've really anything to worry about, to be honest. And also, we're competing at that top table this year, yep. and we've got a point on the board. We've got two massive home games coming up and Leipzig um, away still. So it's all to play for. And I think, um, yeah, I can't see them going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, it's great points, mate. I, I, I totally agree with you. And I think when he's touching on his... Uh... And his pressers, he talks he talks a lot about the Champions League and how um he wants to see the progression. We're there now, he wants to compete and then every season. I think he talks about the Ajax model and it's something misquoted him as usual for the media mm-hmm. saying that he mm-hmm. wants he says, No, I don't like Celtic, I've got their own model. We don't need to copy Ajax. Mm-hmm. What I meant by that was is we've established ourselves, we start building, mm-hmm. we can we're competing, we make ourselves a force in, in Europe and then and then we continue for there. But it's an interesting see when you're talking there, Tony, I want to come back to you because you were talking about how mm-hmm the top teams and this this like mm-hmm. ignorance thing. Um and I agree with you. I totally mm-hmm. agree with you. But do you think that it's ignorance in their part for our league? Because I think a massive amount of the Celtic support when Angie's name was linked with us, because mm-hmm. we were linked with Eddie Howe for so long and he was a big name, when Angie's name was linked with us, I think we were a bit yeah. ignorant about the fact that he was coming in as well because and it's this exact same token that league and the standard is nowhere near what we are, all the rest of it, a bit of ignorance. Do you think that's the same for the EPL for us? I, I, I think it's perhaps the same thing. I think it's just sort of on steroids where, where it comes yeah. from, from down <laughs> south because, um, you know, we, we could probably have some justification for their sort of ignorance for the fact that Ange was literally managing on the other side of the world. Um, you know, he yeah, was in Japan, he came from Australia. We'd, we'd literally he'd never even managed on the continent before, let alone um, even in, in Great Britain. But, y- you know, it, it, anything past Berwick-upon-Tweed is seen as a backwater by, by the English press. Mm-hmm. And you, you even see them talking this week, you know, Scotland, regardless of whatever group or what, that, that they were in in the, the, these Nations League qualifiers, um, a, a group which we are now obviously above England and in the rankings, uh, you know, there was comments saying it's like Liverpool celebrating winning the Johnston's Paint Trophy and stuff like that. They just they don't they, they don't realise that they're so dis- you know they're so detracted from reality that they think football began in 1992 and they don't realise that you could give anybody a billion quid to polish a turd and you can you can make it look better. You give Scott and over go to touch on this now. You give anything a billion pound. You can make it look better and pre- pretend it's better than it actually is. There's yep. a hell of a lot of football down south that would put you to sleep, and um, it's it's definitely the best marketed league in the world. Don't get me wrong, but um, it's also the most overrated league in the world. Mm-hmm. I think a bang on, mate. I think that shows in a number of clubs there that were nothing, and then you threw money at them, and now they're the biggest clubs in the world. Mm-hmm. So, uh, no, totally agree with you, mate. But uh, talking about ignorance and. Uh, for our league, let's move on to the Sky TV deal. Vanit, <laughs> <laughs> Sky TV deal, four-year extension um, for 60 games per season, £150 million, which equates to £30 million pound a season for each club, I believe. What's your thoughts on that? It's literally just... Our last deal was, I think, 25 for, for 42 games or 48 games or something like that. So they've literally an extra £5 million a month for, for more games. But what, what's your thoughts on it? It's it's a hard one. Like I, th- I think it's a poor deal to look at because it's essentially per game. It's it's less per game than the previous deal. So if when you start on, if you say it's obviously thirty million a season over the the five years, I it, it sounds like a better deal. 
but when you break it down, it's yeah. per game. It's it's a worse deal. But where I've, you've kind of got to flip it, who who is competing with Sky? It's yeah. one of them. It's who who's competing with BT, who I thought were great for the Scottish game. That their coverage was brilliant. They clearly can't can't afford to even compete with that kind of money for the Scottish game, which is unfortunate because. Like Sky's coverage is absolutely, absolutely horrendous. They'll probably even take up the full allocation of the games like they've done. They've done the last couple of seasons. So, as much as it's a bad deal, what what other option did we have? Is for me, it's as kind of as, as blunt as that in a way. Like I've, I've said previously, I don't know if there's some way that you could maybe try and do like a streaming service like an Amazon for the Scottish games. You pay, you pay a monthly subscription. A, say between seven and ten pound a month, but that gives you any game you want to watch. But I appreciate without knowing all the technicalities and stuff going into it, you would then have to provide us. You would have to then get the sort of a streaming sort of a system set up, whereas Sky, BT, and all that have all that in place. They have the technology. If we were want uh, the Scottish FA to then do that solely, run it, then it's all the money's in. Going into your game, it's it's probably a lot of money you need to spend before you start seeing any income back from it. So, I would I would like us to maybe I think the only for me anyway the only way of looking at getting a better deal is going down the streaming route. But it's to then get thirty million even at a that's it's a lot of folk you would need to buy that streaming streaming sort of a yep. uh, subscription. So it's I think that would be a bold move, but a very very risky move. It's it's borderline satanic that option for me. Aye. It's interesting you say that because I mean I shared I shared in our group chat and it kinda of caused a bit of debate and it was um mm. the Aberdeen chairman's statement on the whole thing mm. and he's saying pretty much what you're saying, Flanny, that there's no competition. It's as good as we can expect because we're competing with the EPL. Um so like so there's that point of view and this whole um, Sweden's getting double what we're getting. I kind of he touched on that as well, which the uh, Rangers managing director said he was very underwhelmed about the the deal, and that's why. And I think Rangers and Livy kind of mm, delayed their right. decision on on the vote because I know Martindale did a, all sorts about how it's not enough and all the rest of it as well. He was very underwhelmed because the Swedish clubs earned double, but then when we looked further into it, the Swedish clubs were showing double of the games, 120 games for that price, and we're, we're not showing that much. And it's because we're competing with the English Premier yeah. League and we can't, we, we're not going to show that many games. So, Tony, it's interesting that Franny's saying that, so it looks like he's here on that side, like the Aberdeen chairman's side. Are you a bit underwhelmed? Are you that way inclined as well, where you're saying, well, what, what, what more are we meant to do? There's nobody else competing. There's... We're, that we're not getting any other offers, we're not showing as many games. And, and and the whole Sweden debate as well, I thought was really, really interesting because they're showing twice as many games. And I know Stephen, when we had the debate, with, and Stephen was like, well, show twice as many games then. And I'm like, that, but that's fair enough, but we're not, we've not got anybody offering us the money for twice as many games. So it's easy enough to say, Sweden are getting double when they're a lesser league than us. Aye, but they're, they're getting the offer. We're not getting that, that sort of offer. This is the best offer that's on the plate. So what what's your thoughts on it though, Tony? First of all, my, my my first sort of emotion is um, absolute amusement that the Rangers managing director offered <laughs> financial advice. It, it kind of reminded me of uh, the Kevin Bridges stand-up routine where the tramp on the bus can't yeah. afford the bus fare and he's given Mark Zuckerberg advice out of <laughs> on Facebook. Um, so, yeah. I mean, in terms of 
I think, although there's, you know, it says it's up to 60 games for the next little while, I don't know if I might be wrong in saying there's a commitment to maybe show show more than, and they're not saying absolutely that they'll show more than 42, but I think in kind of real terms, it, there, there might be more games on, on, the, on the actual broadcast over the, the term of the deal. I, I get the whole, well, like you say, Willie, but I, as some of the guys use, oh, Sweden's shown more games and, and whatever. Listen, Sweden might be making more money off their TV deal. How far do AIK Stockholm get in Europe every year? How many games do you watch that feature AIK Stockholm? Nothing. Yeah. Because it's, the, in, of course, the, the standard 11 and the cost of 11 is a lot higher in Sweden as well. In the Nordic states, okay, they have higher incomes as well, but it's, it's just as silly to compare the deal with Sweden as it is to compare a deal or deal with England for me for different reasons. Yeah, but it's it's still it's still not like for like. Um, listen, we all want more, and we all want a better product in terms of. You're bang on, Franny. I think BT Sport, but in terms of presenting it and um, mm -hmm. promoting Scottish football, is a lot better than Sky. You know, any channel that employs Chris Boyd. Automatically can't be yep. classed as anything regarding you know regarding competent. It's um you know Chris Boyd couldn't win Chris Boyd of the month. You know he's he's an absolute <laughs> clown. But at the end of, at the end of the day, BT didn't offer anything. Amazon, which I think would be a, a good thing, the whole streaming thing, didn't offer anything. You know ESPN didn't offer anything. Eurosports didn't offer anything. Sky are the only ones on the table with a deal at the moment. And I know that there's this big, other big argument that a lot of them are putting up saying we should have held our ground and wait till the end and says that offers insult and take it off the table. And I think those people have got short memories because we did that exactly 20 years ago when we told them after their first TV deal in 1998, there was rumours that we were going to be getting a better TV deal for Sky going into the second phase in 2002. We did that, you know, stuck two fingers up at them and said you're insulting us. So Sky very happily took that deal off the table and went and insulted the lower leagues uh, in England, who were very happy to be insulted with the kind of money they were being offered. And look where that ended up, whereas we ended up with a, a basically a peasant's deal for the BBC. We then struck up a deal with Satanta, um, who defaulted on their payments. So, you know, as much as Sky, I agree, it's a poor presentation, and perhaps the monies could be greater elsewhere. In real terms, where the action happens, um, there was only one bidder in town. So if you're the if you're the top guy, if you're Neil Doncaster, or if you're the person that's got to be responsible for all these clubs getting some sort of income for a TV deal, do you wait for something that will probably never come, or do you take a deal that's pretty decent? Whether we like it or not, it's a pretty decent deal. It's not a over. It's not a, 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 a incredible deal, but it's not a derisory deal either. So you take it with that bit of security. You know, post pandemic, that's what a lot of these clubs were facing an existential crisis. Now they've got a wee bit of security that they've got that TV money coming in, and I'm sure that there is a, a they're allowed to. Um, they're also allowed to. Um, there's a deal in it where some of the clubs are allowed to it's up to five games a season can can also stream it you know promote it on their own yeah. their own mm. channels so there's that little bit as well that Sky are giving a bit and taking a bit as well 
hopefully, and you never know, you know, they've, they've renegotiated this deal halfway through, this deal with, with more money, granted for maybe lesser games. But by the same token, what's to say that they won't do that again in two and a half years? And if Celtic Rangers continue to get into the, the you know, the, the Champions League, if the teams that finish third and fourth can maybe break that wall and get into the Europa League group stages or get into the Conference League, if Scotland start qualifying for tournaments more regularly, then there's every no reason to suggest why that TV deal wouldn't be renegotiated again. I'm, I'm not Rupert Murdoch's uh, mascot by any chance. <laughs> I can't stand uh, Sky Sports coverage. I think it's awful. But maybe that that'll maybe this deal will maybe make them sit up and say, right, well, well, that's, as well. what you're saying, that's, that's, that's come in the statement, mate. They're saying that it could potentially lead in a couple of years to 38 million a season per club for 80 games and then and then continuously grow. So, you know, it's business. It's what you've got to do. And I think you've absolutely nailed it. Bang on there, Tony. Everything you've said, I totally agree. And I think a lot of the chat are saying the same. Um, Brown Waters, totally agree when you hear and saying that there's a global crash coming. Take <laughs> fucking money now. It's absolutely bang on. Bang on. Um, right, quickly, I need to go through it because myself and Franny are appearing on the Boise bus next. Oh, we're going to miss it. We're going to go on to Motherwell quickly. Uh, Franny, my, um, Motherwell, I don't think are going to be... I, I've watched them under Stevie Hamill now and I think they're a bit more attacking side. I don't think they're going to do something more than sitting us. Um, I think it might be a bit of an easier outfit to, to break down. What's what's your thoughts, Hank Will? Uh, I think I think so well then it's it's Celtic Park as well. So aye, aye. it's it's home a wee bit. Like not that I'm I was ever worried we've got to go on maybe a run, but obviously we we had that uh they dropped points before before the international break. You could uh, like that's the type of fixtures you want when you come back for the international break. A home a home game against a team that's not really they're playing okay but are not in a great shape. So I for me I think it'll be a comfortable form. I think. I think the team will be up for it to show that Saint Mirren was a blip. Let, let's not get away with it. It was a blip. It, like Anthony touched on it, it was our first drop points in the in the league in a calendar year in 30, 38, 39 games. So, um, I it was like well, a first defeat, sorry, I should say. Uh, so it was a it was a blip. So I think that I think the team will be right up for it, and I I can see maybe a three or a four nothing, Wally. Aye. I agree, mate. Tony, we're on a three-match, um, three-match. We've not won in three-matches <laughs> streak. I think Motherwell are on a two-match, so they're the favourites, surely. Uh, well, well, going by the the, the logic of uh, the mainstream media, they will be, mate. And um, you, you know, of course, everyone's always said that the the result against St Mirren is absolute proof. This is a lot of Celtic fans as well, mate. That is absolute proof that um, the boys on the bench and that perhaps the second string are only good enough. I'll maybe focus on the body of work that came for the 12 months before that is absolute proof yeah. that they are. Um, everyone can have a bad day at the office. Uh, like Franny, I can't wait to get back, actually. You know, the Real Madrid game feels like a lifetime ago since I, I was know, at Celtic Park. Can't wait to get back tomorrow. And, um, yeah, I think go out, do the business, and just remind everyone who the, who the main top dogs are. I'll go for a hassle-free 3 now. <laughs> it's funny how you can go a year unbeaten and then get beat once and that's it the, the, the that's whole game's a bogey fucking terrible <laughs> eh? Franny a quick score prediction for yourself I've, I'll go four I'll stick my neck and go I, I reckon it's going to be now. I reckon we're going to do the business again mm-hmm. and I mean that we, we talked about the international stage and 
social media will have you thinking that it's the worst fucking injury plague we've had since fucking God knows when. Mm. But the manager was in a presser today and Starfelt is out for the foreseeable few weeks, which he's mm. he's been out most of the season mm. anyway. CCV is not going to make it, but he should be good to go midweek next week. And Giacomacus is the other one that's not going to make it, but he should mm. again be free for midweek mm. next week. So all this international stage injuries, it's fucking horrendous nonsense. I think that's shown there. And I thought it was uh, the Haksabanovich one was going about that he's, mm. that, oh, it's a bad one. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the presser. He said, that he got uh, the first question he was asked was who's out? And he, he mentioned day three. He said, uh, and Giacomacus will not make it. And then answered a couple more questions. And somebody said, uh, Haksabanovich? And the gaffer said, well, I didn't mention him earlier, did I? So he'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was absolutely top notch. Just quickly as well, he mentioned about Abelgard and we should be seeing a bit more of him over the coming weeks. Uh, we've got nine games in October, so he says that oh, we're going to see a few players and that. It'll be interesting as well to see him and, and hopefully that means Cal Mack can push it at number eight because I think he's he's excellent in there. Um, aye, let's leave it there because we've got our ticket stamped for the first <laughs> We're going to be. Look, I'm sorry, I can't make it tonight, boys. But I'm sure you'll do great and uh, say hi to Phil for me as well. Love that guy. <laughs> well done. Well done. See, just before we go, good luck to Ross on Sunday. He's running that marathon. Aye. So Ross is running a marathon. I think he's aiming to do it in about two hours, twelve minutes or so. But we'll see how he gets on. He'll, I'm sure he'll smash it. He's put a lot of effort into it. All the boys are behind you, mate. Go on and smash it. We know you will. Uh, all the best. Just to wrap it up, because Monty's, Monty's dying to Monty's dying to get you up. Uh, <laughs> back on again. Uh, there's Phil away in the makeup, aye. so we better get going. Aye. Um, aye, wrap up. Super six again, usual. Uh, viewer takeover. Jed's coming on. Alistair's coming on at some point. Mind and get us uh, get a few private mails in. Slide into DMs. If you want to join <laughs> in. Year 52. I've had like I've been drinking, I've had about three or four a night. It's lovely. There's a coffee-flavoured one. I didn't even like coffee. I've enjoyed it. Get on that. <laughs> on the bottom. Click the links. All the rest of it. Everybody in the chat. Our wee community, as uh, Stephen keeps saying. Uh, everybody say good luck, Ross. Brilliant. Thanks, That's guys. <laughs> appreciate it. The boys will be back on Monday. Uh, what's this saying? Keep safe. Stay well. Hail, hail, troops. <laughs> <laughs>